the church. That's the real deal right there. Hallelujah. He said, if we'd hunger and thirst, we'd be filled. So he's watching over his word to perform. He'll strengthen you. He'll fill you, encourage you. It's amazing. You can't hang out with Jesus and stay the same. Everything about him lifts you up. You get encouraged. You get strengthened. Isn't it amazing how, how that is? Uh, he's so filled with life. Like we talked about, uh, I think, not, I don't know if we got into it yesterday, but man, uh, he, he was talking to the guys on the road to Emmaus. And they said, did not our hearts burn within us the words that he spoke to us? His words are spirit in their life. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody hear me okay? Is everything good? We rocking and rolling? Man, I know we got into a lot of stuff last night, a lot of the signs. But isn't it blatant uh, how many there are and how it shows us how close we are? I mean, it's kind of intriguing that we're so privileged. I mean, right now you've got every nation getting the gospel. I mean, I, I preach overseas um, all over the world. You've got Jesus appearing to children in Iran. And uh, you got Jesus appearing to children in Indonesia. Uh, I was in China uh, about 10 years ago. And uh, <laughs> they killed the guy at the hotel for putting up a preacher the week before I got there. They told me that after they checked me in. <laughs> I was like, thanks for sharing that. Uh, I prepared me a little bit mentally for to get shot at. But anyway, I had gone into Hong Kong and went way up in the middle of the heart of China. And so I came out the next morning out of the hotel and there was a big line of people, maybe 3,000 people lined up by this just basic building. And I thought, what's the deal? I said, well, they're, they're in line to see the movie, The Passion of the Christ. So they killed the guy at the hotel for putting up a preacher, but they can't stop a movie about Jesus going all over the country. So that was years ago. So God just knows how to sneak some things in there to get the gospel out. I mean, it is absolutely the coolest to see. Uh, I know of a guy, this was maybe seven or eight years ago, had two big revivals in the Sudan, had two million people saved. They had a, a, a man that was possessed of the devil, long hair, chains. They said, take his chains off. I said, no, no, he'll start biting everybody. I said, no, he won't. Cast the devil out of the guy, cut his hair. And the head of the nation was Islamic. He said, you know, we're following Christianity because we haven't been able to fix this guy. And Jesus fixed him just like that. Amen. So to, think of now we, we bought this is in California. We bought backpacks with solar panels on them so they could do new members classes from a backpack. So you don't need any power. You can set that backpack up and put a sheet. And they taught new members classes in every single language from all those people that were there. I mean, two million people, that'd be like the city of San Diego getting saved. I mean, how do you pastor that? I mean, what do you, what do you do? So we're just living in really, 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 really cool times. So if you're here last night, we talked about the signs. So grab your Bibles and we'll do a couple minutes of review because I want to get into, uh, uh, as Pastor Stephen said, the rapture. We talked about that last night. There's a lot of weird teaching on it, but the Bible's real clear about it. And that word rapture actually isn't there. It's the Latin word rapture, but it's not translated rapture. It's translated taken. So, I mean, you can, I've heard, heard people say that. Well, it's not actually in the Bible. It's pretty plain sight there that it's there. So, isn't it cool that we're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye? I mean, I tell people my, my weight is perfect, but my height is not perfect. So, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to getting a brand new body. Won't that be cool? Praise God. It's going to be so exciting. So, we'll get into all that. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's amazing how the last 10 years or so, 15 years or so, every invitation when you come preach on end times. I started out preaching on gifts of the Spirit everywhere I went, trying to equip believers to do the works of Jesus. Detail about harvesting tools. And the Lord appeared to me in 1987, and He told me, He's standing right there, you know, you think you're going to be really cool when you see Jesus, and I'm bawling uncontrollably. I wish I'd have gone with like a Diet Coke, and I make, you know, Abraham said, let me kill a cow and we'll have steak, you know. But I'm crying uncontrollably, and he stands there and goes, hey, uh, I want you to warn people that I'm coming. I said, I don't want to do that, because I equated that with weirdness. <laughs> and he said, it doesn't matter what you want to do, it's what you're supposed to do. And he disappeared. About three years later, I was up in Michigan getting ready to go preach in some towns all around Michigan, staying with these buddies, this family, a friend of mine. He has a really cool office, uh, walnut walls, just really neat place. And I would go in there and pray and study before I'd go preach in those other cities. I kind of based out of there. And I was listening to Sandy Patty cassette back then. This was, gosh, this is 1990. Because I wanted to hear songs about Jesus. Because, you know, you, you just want to hear things about him to honor him. So I was listening to Sandy Patty. Man, the presence of God come in that little study. And I thought, and the first thing I thought of was his goodness. I thought, man, you're just so good, Lord. The first thing that reaches out to you about his presence is how good he is. All of a sudden, looked up and there's Jesus right there. White robe, olive green sash. Had his hands behind his back, uh, leaned up against my buddy's desk. You know how you kind of sit there and lean up and talk like that? And I'm, cr I'm crying uncontrollably. Once again, I can't say anything cool. <laughs> hey, good to see you, Lord. No, it doesn't work like that. 
You know, while, while he's looking at me, the first thing that comes to me is, is how good he is. He was not critiquing me, not judging me, not analyzing me like I love you just the way you are. I mean, see, the world's never seen that kind of Jesus. They see a critiquing Jesus and he's so kind and so good. That I knew I hadn't preached what I was supposed to preach. He didn't have to go, hey, don't be a loser. I told you to preach this. You're not preaching it, man. The next church I went to, I ran over the chairs. <laughs> I used to do that a lot. I don't do as much anymore. I've gotten a little older. Back then, I had a, little bit, a little bit more agile. But anyway, uh, Jesus is coming back. I mean, He really is. I know sometimes we get desensitized to that. But once you go through all the signs, tag, you're it. So let's pray tonight and we'll get right into the Word. Lord, we love You. Thank You for blessing everyone that came. Thank You for, for what You have for this church, Lord. And all these pastors that came, Lord. Father, bless their churches and their folks. And Lord, we, we, we approach your, your heart tonight, Lord, to learn of You. We want to learn of Your kindness, Your goodness, Your mercy, Your compassion. Help us understand these end time events so that we will accelerate. I ask You for a renewal of grace, a renewal of calls, a renewed vision for every person in this room. I ask You for a deposit of boldness for every person here, Lord. We thank You for that. As we see You, Jesus, as we see You, we know we, we are equipped with Your goodness and Your kindness. So I thank You for a fresh unveiling of the Son of the living God tonight, Lord. We thank You for that. We give You glory. We give You honor. and give You praise. Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's do a couple minutes of review. Go back to Luke 21 and we'll review for a few minutes and then we'll get right into... We'll get a lot covered tonight, so... Uh, uh, just buckle up and we'll get rocking. Luke 21, verse 24, verses you know real well. Once again, Jesus is explaining some things that can, we can show how close we are to Him coming back. Luke 21, verse 24, They'll fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down or overthrown of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. We talked about that last night. 1967, Jerusalem was won back. All the pressure being put on Israel right now is over the borders that were won in that six-day war. I mean, Islam goes, you can't, Israel can't have Jerusalem. Uh, in America, the Supreme Court, the same day, and listen, this is crazy, the same day that the Supreme Court passed uh, same-sex marriage, our United States Supreme Court passed, if you're born in Jerusalem, you don't have Israel on your passport. Trying to take Israel away from, I mean, take Jerusalem away from Israel and make it an international city. Our country, the Supreme Court of the U.S. of America, said if you're born in Jerusalem, you don't have Israel on your passport. That'd be like saying you're born in Washington, D.C., but you don't have the USA on your passport. It's just crazy. It's a bizarre thought pattern. But see, remember the Bible talks about the Antichrist that desires to change dates and times. Uh, he'll try to alter things that are facts that are real. Like the Palestinians said, well, the tomb of Joseph's ours. No, it's not yours. <laughs> I mean, the Palestinians come up with these weird ideas. The, in the Quran, Jerusalem's not mentioned one time. But it's mentioned over 660 times in, in the Bible. But all of a sudden, Jerusalem became holy to them. So Jesus ties everything to Jerusalem. We've got one back in our lifetime. We should be screaming, He's coming back. Hallelujah. Right. We, we talked about the miracles with the Egyptian army last night. I'll give you another one. The Syrian army was barreling down on Israel. There were a few men with a few bullets left. They looked at each other. How many bullets you got? He goes, I got three. He goes, how many you got? I got five. He said, well, it's been great serving with you. Because this Syrian army, man, they're coming toward us. We don't have enough bullets to kill these guys. Next thing you know, the whole Syrian army stopped and one guy screamed out, Father Abraham! And they took off running. They interviewed the guy. You can see it on YouTube. They interviewed him. said, what scared you so bad about Father Abraham? said, it wasn't Father Abraham scared us so bad. There was a huge angel with a massive sword right there. And we knew we didn't have any kind of technology that could even mess with that. So we surrendered right there. So there's, there's many more, but there's miracle after miracle after miracle in 1967. I'm trying to brand that home because... That's our lifetime. Jerusalem's one back. So watch Jesus get clear. I know this is a review if you were here last night, but let's buzz through. We'll get to the rapture here in just a moment. Look at verse 29. Jesus said, look at the fig tree. That's the nation of Israel. So Israel's your timepiece. Why do you wear a watch? So you'll be where you're supposed to be on time. So Israel is your timepiece. Even in the Old Covenant, the Bible said there was a tribe of Issachar that had an understanding of the times. One whole tribe, all they did was keep time. <laughs> How'd you like that? That's the clock tribe. How weird would that be? What time is it, boys? Well, they said, the Lord said that they had an understanding of the times to know. To know what the children of Israel ought to do. Indicating if you don't know what time it is, you don't know what you're supposed to do. Just like in a football game, I said it last night, a two-minute warning. If you're not looking at the, the play clock, you, you won't know to get your play in. 
They're more crucial at the end. You can drop the ball at the beginning of the game. At the end, you can't. It's just crucial. So there, things are, I don't want to say it this way. It's sobering, but it's very critical that you do what you're supposed to do right here before the Lord comes back. Because the clock's ticking down. I don't mean to put pressure on you, but man, it's exciting. And that's what we'll get into, the exciting part. So the Lord said, look at Israel and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is nigh at hand. Likewise, when you see these things come to pass, run into the woods and start prepping. No? <laughs> Verse 31. No, likewise, when you see these things, freak out. No. Likewise, when you see these things uh, come to pass, no. I told you last night to circle that word, no. He's telling you things so you can know. Not wonder. Not sense. I mean, it freaks people out to be definitive about that, but the Lord was pretty definitive. He said, I'm telling you this so you can know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. And the next verse is the kicker. I didn't write it. I'm quoting Jesus. He said, this generation. Next verse. This generation will not pass away to all is fulfilled. What generation? The one that sees Israel made a nation and Jerusalem went back. So tag, you're it. We're, we're the group. And those are two main signs. But last night we got into all of them, uh, not all of them, but quite a few. We talked about the Hebrew language being restored. We talked about the Ethiopian Jews being brought back. We talked about the fertility of the land of Israel. We talked about the revival of the Roman Empire. Did anybody Google the, the Tower of Babel, the Capitol building? It looks just like it. I mean, it's crazy. Looks just, <laughs> they built it to look just like the Tower of Babel. It's crazy. So you have that system, you have the fertility of the land of Israel, you have the Temple Mount Institute, you have uh, foxes showing up on the Temple Mount, that's Lamentations 5.18, indicating the Messiah is about to come. You had water filling up the ritual baths around the Temple Mount, first time in 2,000 years. Crazy. You had fish showing up in the Dead Sea. Ezekiel prophesied that 2,700 years ago. Happened last year. I mean, uh, the Israelis, are it's a very secular country. Even almost more secular. We, we think everybody in Israel is excited about the Lord. No, uh, they're, they're very secular. So uh, there's a small group of people that goes, oh, by the way, fish showed up in the Dead Sea. This is a sign to us. Oh, by the way, the Sea of Galilee just filled up. This is a sign to us. They're thinking the Messiah is about to come. And that rabbi prophesying about Israel being ruled by two Benjamins, that's preaching to the ones that are paying attention. Now, you think that in that land with everything right in front of you, because the history of God there, everyone would be excited. But they're trying to uh, prosecute Benjamin Netanyahu over a man giving him a box of cigars. So you're going so to prosecute a prime minister over a gift. They call, he said it was a bribe. Seriously, that wasn't a very good bribe if that was the bribe. <laughs> I mean, it should be like a house or a car or an airplane, but a box of cigars, is that worth putting someone in prison? But that's how weird it is. They can't do anything correct. It's that spirit of the Antichrist, because they hate, the Antichrist hates Netanyahu. You know what his name means? Netanyahu. Natan. He is the gift of God. First prime minister in years to have a Bible study every single week. At his home, Bible study. So the devil doesn't like that, but that's just too bad, so sad. Jesus is coming back. Amen. So you have all these tangible signs, and you have the blood red moons, you have the Bethlehem star, you have all that stuff that's just uh, preaching to us. It's, you know, you think it's communicating. You know, it, things that we do, our actions are communicating uh, what we do. Well, all these signs are communicating as loud as they can. The Lord's about to come back. There is a protocol for the entrance of the king. Just like that the first coming, John the Baptist was there making the way ready. Well, we think of the prophet's ministry in the Old Testament was to pull Israel back to what they were called to do. But in the New Testament, the believers to do that. The believers to be a voice. The first thing the Bible says the believer is supposed to do is prophesy. That just means inspired utterance. That doesn't mean be weird or goofy. It just means have some utterance that's tied to heaven. And what's heaven saying right now? The king's coming back. If you want to step into a flow of the Holy Ghost, start talking about the king coming back. There'll be a renewal of, of, of God's voice in your spirit amplifying that Jesus is about to come back. We used to sing those songs. All those songs about the coming of the Lord. Because it was real to us. We, we sang songs in 1970. Uh, I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors. Sets captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Notice I didn't sing that because I didn't want to scare everybody. <laughs> that was so kind of me. Merciful of me not to sing. I could have sang that, sang that but it would, have, it would have been like a fire alarm. So let's don't do that. So uh, it's a great time. For the believer to be used of God. You know, you can pull up to McDonald's. You don't have to go, oh, say the Lord, I'll have a quarter pounder with cheese and large fries. No, you can say, give me a quarter pounder with cheese and large fries. Oh, by the way, the Lord's coming back. 
I was on a flight to Sweden years ago. Gosh, this is like almost 30 years ago. And this lady was just distraught. She was a flight attendant. I could just tell she was distraught. I said, what's the deal? She goes, well, I just don't know what's going on on the earth. I said, I know exactly what's going on on the earth. Israel's made a nation. Jerusalem won back. Hebrew language resort. Ethiopian Jews brought back. She goes, what? I went down the whole list with her. She goes, oh my God, go get another flight attendant. She got another flight attendant. I said, tell that flight attendant. I told that flight attendant. That flight attendant said, go get another flight attendant. Then we had six or seven flight attendants having a church service on an airplane because they're looking for answers. Everybody you know in the world knows something's up. And we talked about the coronavirus for a moment last night. That's Matthew 24, 8. Those are, those are uh, uh, birth pains. It's not judgment. <laughs> we talked about that the other day. People say, well, God's judging America. Well, He's doing a bad job. We're still alive. When, when God sent judgment on, on the earth, and, the, and, and when He did judgment, people were vaporized. You can't find anybody. I heard, see, G- Germany killed six million people, six million Jews, and prospered. Okay, because see, God's not mad at anybody. And I am freaked out that people would rather think God's mad at them. He's not mad at you. He laid all that judgment on Jesus. I hear people in our group talking about, well, God's going to send you through a season of trial to strengthen you. Now, the trials don't strengthen you. They're designed to kill you. If going through hell made you a better Christian, we'd be glowing in the dark at night. Come on. I'd go home. I wouldn't even need electricity. I'd just glow. What's wrong with you? I've been through some trials. There we go. No, that's stupid. Why would you pray to get through a trial uh, if you're supposed to go through it? Jesus rebuked them. He said, speak to the storm. He didn't say romance it. And now our group wants to romance it. Well, it's designed to help you. No, it's not. It's designed to kill you. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely insane that my dad gets blamed for tests and trials. Every good and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Woo, hallelujah. So, this is all about the second coming here. All these signs are all second coming. We know the rapture is signless. Uh, the church age was a mystery. The rapture is a mystery. I like that it's a mystery to be kept for you, not from you. I mean, Jesus there in the Garden of Gethsemane, they're thinking He's going to set His kingdom up. Those guys came to get Him. Peter cut that guy's ear off. He's trying to cut his head off. And they want kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. And all of a sudden, Jesus has this 2,000 year period called the church. There's a few clues about that. The Good Samaritan, he took him up and he said, I'll come back for him after two days. Okay, 2,000 years. I'll come back and pay for whatever he spent. He told Herod, you tell that fox to do cures today, tomorrow, and the third day I'll be perfected. 2,000 years. He waited for two days to go raise up Lazarus. 2,000 years. So we know we have a 2,000 year church age. 6,000 years of human history. <laughs> well, a lot here. 2,000 years from, the, from, from Adam to Abraham. 2,000 years from Abraham to Jesus. 2,000 years from the first coming to the second coming. 6,000 years. We'll get into more of that later, but the earth is getting ready to enter into that 1,000-year reign, which would be a Sabbath day for the earth. It'll be the earth Sunday. How cool is that? So we'll get into a lot of stuff tonight about some, about some details, so I don't want to overwhelm you at the beginning. I want to get into some more words. So everybody still glad you came? You excited about, excited about the Lord coming back? I mean, think about the mentality when all of a sudden we see His eyes as a flame of fire. Feet like undefined brass, voice of many waters. Wow, that's so soon. So grab your Bibles and turn over to First Thessalonians and let's move forward into the rapture of the church. Go to First Thessalonians chapter four. Now I said this I think yesterday, you know, growing up in the seventies, uh, you know, with the, all the stuff about the coming of the Lord, there were all those weird movies, A Thief in the Night. You know, they were they were all scary as I'll get out, you know, but uh but at least my mom scared me about the rapture every night. He's coming tonight! Oh my God. I mean, you know how your mom will do things just to keep you from doing wrong things? <laughs> you want, this, this was her best one. If you young people, it'll bless you. You want things to go well with you? Obey your, obey your parents. Honor your mother and father. Things will go well with you and you'll live long on the earth. The devil tells me every single day, he goes, I'm going to kill you today. I go, you can't kill me today. I honored my parents. The Bible says I'll live long on the earth and things will go well with me. Well, my mother used that over and over and over. It's like a brand. You want things to go well with you? Snap! Ow! Okay. Obey your parents. So let's talk about this rapture. This rapture is such a weird thought pattern that all of a sudden we're going to be caught up. But, you know, Enoch walked with God, raptured, caught up. Elijah, raptured. Talked about that yesterday. How they knew the day he was going to go up. They said, don't you know your master will be taken from you today? Elisha said, yeah, I know it. Shut up. And, you know, Elijah told Elisha, if you see me when I go. So he knew he was going to go. He said, if you see me when I go, it'll be so. He asked for a double portion of what was on Elijah. 
pretty cool. And Elijah, Elijah told him to stay here. And he goes, you, you think I'm going to miss what I'm supposed to miss? I put up with all your moods. See, prophets are moody. So the, light, the light attracts the bugs. So he's like basically saying, I put up with all your moodiness and I'm going to miss this. I ain't missing this. So, man, Elijah's caught up and there's Elisha. He took that mantle. Just like the church is going to hand off to the Jews, Elisha took that mantle and went straight over to the door and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And the water parted just like that. We're going to hand off to the Jews. We're going to be raptured. God's going to raise up 144,000 Jewish evangelists. And they're going to go, where is the God of the last day church? We're going to show them how to cooperate with God before we leave. Hallelujah. So, grab your Bibles there. Go to First Thessalonians. It was a long introduction to get to First Thessalonians chapter 4. Look at verse 13. Now, now Thessalonians is pretty cool because Paul, he was with them for two weeks. Then you get into Second Thessalonians and the whole purpose of his writing was, while I was with you, I told you these things. What did he tell them? He talked about the rapture, the second coming, and the Antichrist. Why? They thought they were in the tribulation because Nero was persecuting them so bad. They, Nero was taking Christians, dipping them in oil, and using them for nightlights setting them up on posts and putting them on street posts so that you could walk through the streets and have light. Humans, Christians. So they thought, man, we have to be in the tribulation. And Paul wrote, don't worry, the, the Antichrist can't even be revealed till the church departs. You have so much authority, Jesus has to take you off the earth. Because the earth's going to go back to old covenant time and you would be dictating what's happening on the earth because Jesus gave you all authority. He didn't say, I give you some, he said, I gave you all. <laughs> I was preaching in Pittsburgh years ago, and uh, there was a baby that uh, there was a man that a man and wife that owned a, a parking lot company, and their baby had Down syndrome, about two years old. Prayed for the baby, and the baby got healed. So they supported me every month for years. I said, "You don't have to do that," but they were so thrilled that their baby was mongoloid. And the doctor said, "You know, the chromosomes don't change. They t- made him do the test several times. Doctors have never seen anything like this in my life. The chromosomes are different." So, so healed of Down syndrome. So their 13-year-old was there, and uh, they wanted me to pray over him. Uh, uh, he didn't have anything wrong with him, but every 13-year-old needs a little prayer. <laughs> so, so uh, they said after you know at the end of the service, maybe lay hands on and pray for him. I said sure. So I taught on heaven that night. I never teach on heaven. So the kids were the 13-year-olds were all out. The youth were all out in another service. I taught on heaven. They brought the 13-year-old when I was done preaching. Laid hands on him. And he fell out under the power. I prayed the word over him. Same thing my mom prayed. He's a disciple to all the Lord. Grace his peace and his third composure. He trusts in the Lord with all his heart. Leans not to his own understandings. In all of his ways, he acknowledges you. And you direct his path. In his pathway, there is light and there is no darkness at all. So I'm praying that over that young man. He fell out on the power. He's just laying there. He's out cold, man. So we're standing around talking. You know how you kind of talk after service? He's still out. Next thing you know, he's looking like my golden retriever. He's, he's like dreaming, moving his arm. You know, you know how you see your dogs dream? You know, they move their legs, moving all that. That kid's moving around on the floor. They said, what's wrong with us? I said, he's just out on the power. Let him enjoy it. It's okay. Well, you know, we finished, finished up everything and everybody's ready to go. He's still out under the power. I said, what do we do? I said, well, I guess take him home. Let him enjoy it. They picked him up, carried him home. Middle of the night, he wakes up and screams, I just went to heaven. They said, shut up. It's the middle of the night. Because they'd been asleep for several hours. He goes, no, no, I went to heaven tonight. He goes, I saw Grandpa. And they said, oh, shut up. Go back to sleep. I said, no, Grandpa took his biscuits and gravy and scraped it through the gravy like this. And that's exactly how he did it while he was on the earth. The cool thing is there's biscuits and gravy in heaven. Amen. I mean, that's pretty cool. He said, you know, that was cool. See, Grandpa, but what was even cooler, Jesus walks in with a golden stick, scepter. Scepter of righteousness is the scepter of my kingdom. Walks up to that 13-year-old and says, you know what? I don't have any authority in the earth. I gave it all to my church. You should have seen that 13-year-old get up the next night and preach about You got up and talked for a couple minutes about Jesus gave us all authority. Woo! Wow. So the church has to be taken off the earth so God can do what He wants to do during that seven-year period. God's extremely legal. That once He does things, He doesn't give it back. He honors His Word. So the rapture of the church is to have Him be able to do what He needs to do. So let's look at it here. First Thessalonians chapter 4, look at verse 13. But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others that have no hope. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. That's that word. Together with Him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. 
Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And the word there is exhort. But look what the purpose of his teaching on the rapture was, was to bring comfort. So we're going to by, at the end of the service night, I'll show you that you can't be here during the tribulation. That is a pre-tribulation rapture. I got one amen and one come on. I guess I'll come preach to you guys. <laughs> now, if you want to go through the tribulation, knock yourself out. But you know what? You're not. If you're born again, you can't. He's coming back for a certain species, and you're going to be raptured even if you don't believe in it, even if you don't like it, even if you're mad at God and curse God. If you're that species, He's coming back for that species called the body of Christ. You might be the stupidest, most ill-advised, most witless person in the body of Christ, but you're still in the body. My friends call me the hangnail. <laughs> You're the hangnail, Joe. Well, I'm, at least I'm on the finger somewhere. So here, what an event that all of a sudden the Bible says He's able to subdue even all things unto Himself. At His Word, come up hither, come up to the throne of God. Every loved one that you've had that's gone home to be with the Lord, all of a sudden, He's going to recreate the molecules in their body. He's going to recreate your body. The stain of Adam's going to be taken off of you. Just as you've borne the image of the earthy, you're going to bear the image of the heavenly. Woo, hallelujah. And we shall be changed. Amen. I've, heard, I've heard people preach some weird stuff about it'll take a long time. No, the Bible says it's in a moment, the twinkling of an eye. That's the shortest amount of time that can't be divided. Instantaneous. There'll be a pile of clothes on the ground. You're going to rock it north. And on our way up, we're going to be instantly with the Lord. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And at the rapture, we're going to meet Him in the air. And you talk about some shouting. You talk about some victory. Oh, death will be put away right there. Come on. Where is thy sting? It's taken away right there. Glory to God. How powerful is that that He can alter your bodies just like that? So let's talk about the purpose of the rapture is to retrofit you with a brand new body. Remember the cherubim in the Old Testament? You had seraphim and cherubim uh, that hang around the throne. Remember the Bible says they had two wings that cover their face, two wings cover their feet, two wings they fly with. What do they do for a living? They circle the throne. <laughs> what, what do you do for a living? I circle the throne every day, uh, continually, forever. <laughs> what do they say? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. The whole earth is full of your glory. Wow, how'd you like to have a job like that? So they're created to be at the throne forever, yet they still have to shield themselves from His glory. So God's going to give you and me a, a body that we can walk in and talk to Dad without shielding our eyes. Wouldn't it be kind of weird to go say hi to your dad? Quick, get the binoculars, I mean, the, the, get the glasses and cover your eyes. That'd be weird, wouldn't it? If you had to have shades over your eyes to see your dad. Well, he's so radiant. Remember in the Old Testament in Ezekiel 19, he said, put a fence around the mountain, lest they even get near to gaze at me and die. Not because God's mad at them. He's just pure and holy and they weren't pure and holy. So he said, don't even let them look at me or it'll kill them. So we, we need to get us a new body. So isn't it wonderful? You'll never gain weight again. Come on. Never get tired again. Giddy up. I mean, I'm quickened right now. Thank God for the presence of God that quickens me. But man, I'm looking forward to never, ever getting tired again. There'll be some things we'll never say. We'll never say I'm tired. We'll never say I'm bored. It'll be, our vocabulary is going to be so different because we'll be so blessed. And I said it last night, the rapture is not an ending, it's a beginning. We'll get into more of that tomorrow, but right now you're tasting of the powers of the world to come. Amen. So what a wonderful event. Remember, you've got to always go back to the Bible. You always go to the Word. I mean, there are all kinds of traditions or whatever. But what's the Word say about what our body will look like? Well, you go back to Jesus. After He's raised from the dead, He's in His glorified body. Remember on the road to Emmaus, He's walking along and the guys are walking with Him. And the first thing He said to them, why are you guys sad? He wants you happy. If you read here in Thessalonians, He said, I'm writing this to you so you'll be happy and hopeful. I've got a book coming out this year about end times. Great hope, great joy. There is no bad news for us. So he wrote that to them to make them happy and hopeful. And Jesus goes, why are you guys sad? They go, well, duh. How did you live around here? They crucified our Lord. They don't know it's Jesus. The Bible says their eyes were holding to the fact. Don't you love that? That he could sneak up on them and they don't know who he is? How cool is that? So they don't know who he is and their eyes are holding to it. And he, the Bible says he would have kept right on walking. They constrained him to stay for dinner. And as he sat down, he took them through the word. He could have gone, losers, I told you I'd be raised from the dead. It's me. I would have done that. I'd have gone, blah, blah, blah. I'd, have, I'd done all kinds of stuff to mess with them. But he didn't. He took them through the Scripture. Here, Jesus in person took them through the Word. Took them through the Old Testament and showed them Christ in every book. Genesis sees the seed of a woman. 
Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. Leviticus, he's our high priest. Numbers, he's a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. Oh, come on. Matthew, he's the Messiah. Mark, he's the wonder worker. Luke, he's the son of man. John, he's the son of God. Acts, he's the Holy Ghost. He's in every book. So he, he took them through the Word. And then he ate a little bit of food and, and disappeared. How cool is that? I'm gone. Not we'll see you later, but just boof. They said, did not our hearts burn within us? The words he spoke to us. So they're so excited, they came back and told their buddies, we just saw him, we had dinner with him, he disappeared. Thomas goes, no, you didn't. He goes, no, 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 no we, we ate with him, he took us through the Word. You did not. Thomas goes, I, I won't believe unless I see the hole in his hands, see the hole in his side. I will not believe. Jesus walks right through the wall. Thomas, Thomas, stretch hither your hand, thrust it into my side. Don't you love it? The Lord knows every word you say. He goes, thrust your hand into my side. Be not faithless, but believing. He said, my Lord and my God. And then they go, oh, he's a spirit. Because he just walked through the wall. Now watch, here's a picture of our future. He just walks through the wall. He goes, no, handle me. A spirit hath not flesh and bone, as you see I have. So our new body is going to be flesh and bone, but it will be glorified. We may able to walk through the wall. And you know the first thing Jesus said to them, have you got any meat? He didn't say, do you have any kale? He didn't say, do you have any broccoli? He didn't say, you got any salad? I'm trying to eat a little light. No, he said, where's the beef? First thing he said in his glorified body. They said, no, handle me. A spirit hath not flesh and bone. Where's the beef? So it's normal. Because we have this tendency to think it's ethereal and we're just floating around playing harps. You know, where this is us in heaven. No, it's going to be extremely normal. So what a picture of what our new body is going to be like. We, we can eat, walk through walls, still be handled, and be normal. We'll get into it tomorrow. We, we think the millennial reign of Christ is going to be weird. There's going to be roller coasters. There's going to be sports. It's going to be just like right now, but without the curse. Amen. And you're going to be ruling over a bunch of natural people in your glorified bodies. So whether you like it or not, you're an overseer. You know, right now you're writing your resume for what you'll be doing during the millennium. If you're faithful over so much, you rule over two cities or you rule over ten cities. I don't want to rule over Spring Hill, Louisiana. <laughs> That's where I'm from. Lord, give me someplace cool. Amen. I don't. What's your job in the money? I have a weed. No, I want to be ruling and reigning. So here's the, this is the rapture. We get brand new bodies. What's the qualifications? Go back to verse 14. Look at verse 14. We'll get into the qualifications. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. So here's the qualifications to be in Christ. Because man, you hear tons of preaching right now on TV. Well, you've got to have this, got to have this, got to have this. It's not about you. It's about Him. He purchased you and He's coming back to get His body. Just like if you're walking right now, maybe you had an amputee, you're an amputee, you got one leg, you're looking forward to getting your leg back. Jesus is looking forward to getting his body back. We've tried to make it about us. Am I holy enough? Am I pure enough? The blood of Jesus made you perfect. It's not about your works, not about how good you are, which you need to be good, you need to have good works. It's about his blood that purchased you. And I told you I've had a lady in Galveston kind of hammer me one time. She said, How dare you say all the believers are going up? I said, Well, uh, in the Scripture, it's pretty clear it's not by works, it's by, by His blood. And the Holy Spirit's so cool, He goes, ask her whose works would she rather trust in? Her works or, or my works? See, all those doctrines downplay how, how good a job Jesus did. Like He didn't quite redeem you good enough. Oh, come on, by Himself He purged your sins. Sat down on the right hand of Majesty on high. So when He says, come up hither, He purchased you. So I know that goes against tradition or goes against religion or goes against, you know, what all is taught. But I, don't get mad at me. I watch a really, really brilliant guy on TV and I've done some meetings with him. Brilliant guy. But he's, he gave all the reasons why everyone's not going up in the rapture and they were all out of the Gospels. I mean, like the ten virgins. Hang with me. If you don't have oil in your lamp, you're not going up. Would Jesus need oil in His lamp? See, I'm Him now. I'm Him in the earth. Let that sink down into your spirit for a minute. Would, would, would Jesus need oil in His lamp? Would you tell Him he doesn't, he doesn't quite measure up? No, He's perfect. Guess what? As He is, so are we in this world. He's talking to unsaved people there that need to get oil in their lamp. I don't, why would I want the type when I've got the real? And now that goes against everything taught today. Well, I even guys preaching, if your wick's not ready, not, not much less if your lamp's not ready, your wick's not ready. He's talking to Jewish boys that are not born again yet because Jesus hadn't been raised from the dead. After the resurrection, the rules change. That's right. 
Thank God we ought to shout right there over and over and over again because it has nothing to do with you and has everything to do with Him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Alright, let's talk about the only little hidden reference. This will bless you. Because if you keep reading here in Thessalonians, he said, you are not in dark. This is what I want to tell you. Please don't get mad at me. Cut me some slack for a minute. You're going to know when the rapture is. You won't know the exact day, but you're going to know within a few days. Because Paul said, you're not in darkness that that day would overtake you as a thief. Now, hang with me. When Jesus said of that day and that hour, no man knows, he was telling them, I'm coming back for your own feast of trumpets. He was giving them a little clue. The Feast of Trumpets was on the 29.5th day of the month. It was on a new moon. So the Sanhedrin would send three witnesses out. When they saw it, they knew what day it was going to be. They didn't know which day it was going to be because it was a three-day period. So when he said that day and that hour, no man knows, he was telling them exactly when he's coming back for them. That's why I talked about Trump and Pence. Feast of Trumpets is when he's coming back. Now, I'm going to give you some new stuff tonight that I haven't really preached, but it's going to bless you. Everybody's so glad they're here. Did I make a turn there? Did I miss something? <laughs> but let's talk about this one little reference in the Gospels because there's no reference in the Gospels to the rapture. There's a little hidden reference. I'm intrigued how God did all that, just a little bitty slight references. Remember in John 14, in my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you. I'd go to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. The crazy thing about that verse is he's talking to his staff and that was a Jewish wedding proposal. He basically asked his boys, I mean, his 12 guys, will you marry me? And I'm sure they just looked at him like, have you lost your mind? Dudes don't ask dudes to marry them. At least they used to not do that. <laughs> Nowadays, you don't know what people are doing. But anyway, in the old days, guys didn't ask guys to marry them, okay? Well, it kind of freaked them out. And they're like, he just proposed to us. Well, see, in the Hebrew culture, in Jewish culture, a man would ask a woman to marry him and they would be betrothed. Okay, and during their during their season of being engaged or what they call betrothed, the man would go back to his father's house. The father would oversee the building of a honeymoon suite and the father would tell the son when the room is done. So I interview all these ladies in Israel saying, hey, when you did this, when when you were after your betrothed and you're the, the man's building, the dad's building a honeymoon suite for you guys. Would you know when he's going to come? She goes, of course we know. I go, how would you know? She goes, word would come to us how close it is to being done. I said, how? I said, people would tell us all the time, hey, your room's almost done. How do you know? I just looked at it. Well, why? Because they didn't want to spend money on perfume if it's going to be six months later. You want to know within a couple of days how close it is. Every woman I interviewed said you'd know almost to the day. We've just never been taught that. But Paul taught it. He said, you're not in darkness if that day would overtake you as a thief. So what would happen? The father would get the room done. He'd tell his son, go get your bride. And with a shout, he'd come back and she'd be listening for that shout and she'd be ready and she would go out to meet him. That's a picture of the rapture of the church. Wow. It's amazing how God gave us pictures and photographs so we could tell. Just like with Joseph, we're going to depart and go to be with Jesus at the reward seat of Christ, marriage supper of the Lamb. And Jesus is going to deal with Israel for seven years and He'll present Himself to His brethren just like Joseph did at the very end. This is the most amazing plan ever. So that whole seven-year period so that Jesus can be like Joseph to come back and rescue them at the very end, the second coming. Every movie you see where the hero comes in at the end, that comes from the Bible. Because Jesus is going to come back and stop war. Wow. So before that, seven or eight years before that, we're going to be caught up. We're going to be raptured. It's so cool. We go up to meet Him in the air. Won't that be wonderful to get brand new bodies? Glory to God. Come on, preacher. Now let's talk about the timing for a minute because we got I, I I got a little bit more time. We're not quite. Everybody okay? Everybody good to stay a little bit longer? Anybody anybody mad? Wanting to shoot anybody? No fatalities, right? <laughs> oh man! All right, let's talk about the timing for a minute because I'm gonna get, I'm gonna throw you a couple curveballs tonight because I stuff I, that I've just been preaching lately. Okay, the timing. We know Jesus, what were, the Old Testament had festivals. What were the festivals for? They were dress rehearsals for the real. So the first one you have was Passover. What did Jesus do? The Bible says He went to the cross on what feast? Passover. Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What was the next feast? It was unleavened bread. He, he was buried on unleavened bread. Normally you're on the cross longer to be a spectacle, not to break the law, but He had a feast to keep. So He's buried on unleavened bread. <laughs> they would take three pieces of bread. The middle piece, they would fold it. They would pierce it and they'd break it. He said, I am the bread of life. Born in Bethlehem. You know what Bethlehem means? Home of the bread. So he goes to the cross on Passover, buried on unleavened bread. Next feast is first fruits. What happened on first fruits? Jesus is raised from the dead. Come on, 
Firstborn from the dead. Come on. So, so he fulfilled those feasts perfectly. The next feast is Pentecost. And what happened on Pentecost? The Holy Spirit was poured out. The next feast to be fulfilled is Feast of Trumpets. And that's why I talked about our president being named Trump and Vice President Pence. That the rapture will probably be on Feast of Trumpets. Now, I, I'm dogmatic about a few things about that. So every September, I'm walking around, Lord, I love you. I know exactly when it starts in Israel. I know exactly when it starts here. And so there's a three-day period that I know it's going to be. But I've kind of been switching over to Pentecost. So let me, get, let me let you know why. Because Jesus fulfilled the first three feasts while He was on the earth in three days. I, I, it sure is, man. I'm ready, buddy. I was just going to tell you, buckle up. We, we may be going north. I actually think that the rapture might be on Pentecost now because Jesus can fulfill the last three feasts personally, which would be the second coming could be trumpets. Day of Atonement would be the next feast. That's getting the land ready. There's about a 70-day period where He purifies the land for the, the millennial kingdom, millennial, millennial temple. And then the tabernacles is when He'll set up that tabernacle and dwell with men for a thousand years. That's just a thought. So now the reason why I'm saying this, hang with me. I know this is a lot of info, but hang with me. Okay? Enoch was born on Pentecost. Hang with me. Enoch, born on Pentecost. Raptured on Pentecost. The law was given on Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was given on Pentecost. The church started on Pentecost. The church might end on Pentecost. I'm saying that so two times a year be paying really, really, really close attention. <laughs> May of every year and September of every year. Find out when Pentecost is. It's next week. It's May 31st. I, it wouldn't surprise me at all that like, like if, I don't believe it's this year, but if it was, I believe by now we'd be going, oh my God, I believe we're getting ready to take off. I think right before the rapture, we'll have an explosion of the glory of God. People will be running to church. There'll be so much excitement. And we'll be looking at each other going, oh my God, we're about to be raptured. Because he said, here, you're not in darkness. That day would overtake you as a thief. You know what that means? That day won't overtake you as a thief. <laughs> That's what that means. Let me, get it. Let me Greek it out for you. In the Greek it means you won't be surprised. Now for the world, the world will say peace and safety. And then sudden destruction comes upon them. Not the church. Sudden destruction comes upon them. But for you and I, no, man, we get to be caught up. So let's go look at a little bit more. I know that was a lot talking about uh, uh, Pentecost. So that's May 31st. Church started on Pentecost. It might end on Pentecost. I still think Feast of Trumpets is still a main contender that I think we'll know in our spirits. Everybody get that okay? Let's, let's go over to Daniel, and I want to get into Daniel for just a moment. But I, I want to get, cover something for about three or four minutes before we get to Daniel that's probably just as important as the rapture. Everybody still glad they came? Amen. How many glad you're here and not in jail? <laughs> All right, it's good to, be, good to be in church rather than jail. Some people like jail. I don't know. I, I would rather be in church. Go to Daniel uh, 9. But let's talk about something else that's so important before we go to Daniel 9. Because I want, to, I want to talk about Daniel 9 for a minute that's going to bless you. It will show you that you can't be here during the trip. But let's talk about something that's so important. That is, what's, going to, what's our next appointment after the rapture of the church? Right after the rapture, we're going to be called up. And we've heard it taught so many years, the judgment seat of Christ. That's a mistranslation. It's the Bema. It's the reward seat of Christ. No, that's how it's gotten manipulated to make you have fear. So after, after the rapture of the church, you're going to go to the judgment. Actually, it's the reward seat. So how He's going to judge you is fire is going to hit your life and it won't judge your sin. Sin was laid on Jesus 2,000 years ago. The reward seat of Christ is the fire is going to hit your life to examine the motive of your heart for your works. Did you do great works to be seen of men? Or did you do great works because you love the Lord? Okay? So that fire is going to hit your life and your works are going to either be gold, silver, and precious stones or wood, hay, and stubble. You don't want a bonfire at this reward seat. You don't want people, oh, what was that? Man, check that out. No, no, no. no. You, you, you want gold, silver, and precious stones. It is something, uh, wood, hay, and stubble is all above the ground. It's what people see. That's what's going to get burned. What we do where people see will probably be toast. It's the hidden things of the heart He wants to reward you for. What is gold? It's your devotional life. How much you tell the Lord you love Him. What's, what's silver? The Bible says the tongue of the just is choice silver. What's the precious stones? That's your prayer life. The priest would go into the presence of God for the people, not for himself. Your prayer life will hand, stand up to that test. The cool thing about this is, this is all designed to be rewarded. Where do we get that word? It's from the Olympics. When someone's in the Olympics and they compete, I've never seen somebody freaked out to go get their medal. 
Have you ever heard somebody go, you're going to the metal seat of the Olympics? Oh, no. You're like, man, I trained, I trained, I, I, I worked so hard, now i got a gold, silver, or bronze. Can you imagine somebody being afraid to go to the Bema? But yet it's been taught, and pe- preachers preach it, so it makes a great picture for the newsletter because it scares the H-E double hopical sticks out of everybody because they come down front thinking God's mad at them. God's not mad at you. He wants to adorn you with your faithfulness. So you'll have gold and silver you'll put all over your body and you'll be clothed indicative of your faithfulness. There'll be contrast. See, this shirt is a, a denim shirt. There's gold stitching like that because of Levi's. You'll have contrasting stitching in your robe indicating you were faithful, indicating what your job was, indicating what your vocation was, indicating what your call was, indicating that you went to church on Saturday nights when no one else did. People will look at your robe and go, wow, you went to midweek services? How crazy were you during the church age? Come on! They'll, they'll, they'll fist bump you and give you a high five because of your robe. It'll be, just, it'll be just like the military. I've never seen a general go, I was faithful! No, you know they were faithful. You can see the badges on their chest. They're, it's called fruit right there. They wear their fruit over their heart. So God's going to clothe you with glory and honor. And you'll have all this gold and silver that will preach for you forever that you did the will of God. You want to make sure you're not wearing a Speedo bathing suit during the millennium. People aha! Did nothing during the church age. Man, my dad mocked God, cursed God his whole life. And he had a stroke and got saved on his deathbed, so he never got to do anything. He's going to have the skimpiest clothes you've ever seen in your life. I'm going to be throwing robes at him. Dad, borrow some robes! Come on! Never got to do one thing for the Lord. Though. Think about that. Never got to do one thing. So I'm saying that because that's, that's how we should live. We should focus on that's your next appointment is the reward seat of Christ. So that let's every unselfish thing you do, every time you open the door for somebody, every time you're kind to somebody, when you do things that nobody sees you do, you think, well, nobody sees it. He sees it. And he'll reward you for that. It's just like that preacher that was down in South Africa and built all these churches away from his family, you know. And he, he's on the way back from South Africa to Miami and he was on, a, on a, 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 a cruise liner. This was back in the 20s. They had a big ticker tape parade as they came into Miami for this actor that was on the boat. He was on a safari and they have a parade for him from coming back from being on a safari. And that preacher said, Lord, you know, there's no one here to meet me. He said, I'm over there giving my life to start all these churches and this actor has a parade and there's nobody here to meet me. The Lord says, because you're not home yet. Come on, see, I'll come preach to you for a minute. Isn't that something? We're blessed right now, but you're just passing through. That's right. Amen. You know, you, you, you want things to be completely satisfied, uh, but there, it, there's a time coming they will be satisfied. So you, let, let's, let's get some rewards. Not just so we can say we have rewards, but because we love the Lord. John Wesley, would he leave his wife? A cool preaching robe, a few pound notes of money? Oh yeah, in the Methodist church. He said, give me ten men that hate sin and love God, and I will change the world. Oh, giddy up. That'll preach. Come on. All right, you got your Bibles there? Go to Daniel. I'm closing with this. Closing with this. Let's rock through Daniel for a minute. This won't take me a minute. These are the absolute coolest verses in the Bible. Let's get there, okay? Daniel 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius... Now, this is going to sound boring, but hang with me. In the first year of Darius, which was the son over whatever that's called, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans... There's no way to pronounce that. Aharu Sehewa. Anyway, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. And he goes, you know what? I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. But Daniel's just saying here, hey, we got put in jail. Let's find out why we got put in jail. He's smart enough to go back and find out why. They were supposed to let the land rest every seven years. Okay? So they kind of started fudging on the end of that sixth year into the seventh year. Guess how long they fudged? 490 years. Okay? So God's like, hey, no problem. You owe the land back 70 years. So He let them go into captivity to pay the land off what they owed it. Look how flawless He is in the Old Covenant. Okay? They goofed up. How long did they goof up? 490 years. Remember, Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I forgive somebody? 490 times. So they messed up 490 years. God let them go into jail for 70 years to pay the land back. Now watch what Gabriel gives Daniel. This is absolutely amazing. Go to verse 23. You got your Bibles there? Look look in verse 23. Remember, it's good to write in your Bible. Dirty Bible, clean Christian. It's good. (laughs) Clean Bible, dirty Christian. Look at your neighbor. (laughs) 
Alright, look at verse 23. Here's some really, really, really amazing verses. Watch what Gabriel says to him. At the beginning of our supplication, the commandment came forth. I'm come to show you that you're greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. So watch this. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city. Seventy weeks is another way of saying seventy segments of seven or another 490 years. You guys missed it for 490. God's given you guys another 490. Everybody get that? You missed it for 490. The Lord's so kind, He's giving you another 490. Who's it for? The Jews and for the holy city Jerusalem. Watch this. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, bring an everlasting righteousness, seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Here comes the most... Uh, uh, perfect words. Watch this. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, will come, be a certain amount of years. And I'm going to add it up for you because it's complicated how he does it. So he said here, there's going to be a commandment to rebuild Jerusalem. King Artaxerxes was there and Nehemiah was bummed out because Jerusalem was overthrown. He was depressed. He goes, how come you're depressed? He goes, Jerusalem's overthrown. So he goes, I'll tell you what, I'm going to make a proclamation. And when I make that proclamation, it's as good as done. So King Artaxerxes goes, we'll rebuild Jerusalem. Gabriel said, when that commandment goes forward until Jesus comes, it's going to be 483 years. So, you know, they asked Jesus, are you the Messiah? He goes, go tell them what you see and what you hear. John was getting ready to have his head cut off. He goes, go check if he's the one because this ain't looking good for me. <laughs> so Jesus goes, go tell them what you see and what you hear. But there came a time, man, Jesus came riding in on that donkey right into Jerusalem. Amazing. And they started putting the palm trees down. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They said, oh man, don't let them say that. You're admitting you're the Messiah. He said, if they didn't say it, the rocks would cry out. Because it was exactly 483 years from when that commandment came forth. Well, God gave them 490. Jesus came after 483. He owes them seven years of Old Covenant time. That's the seven-year tribulation. He takes the church off the earth. And repays them those seven years that he owes them. What's the whole purpose of those seven years? To get them to accept Jesus as their Messiah. Who's the seven years for? The Jews and for the holy city Jerusalem. Has nothing to do with the church. And the church can't stand that because we want to be the all in all. We are a wonderful entity, but we're going to depart. Come on, man. And you can feel in the body of Christ right now. Even when grace started to be taught for so, so, for so abundantly, maybe it even got overtaught. Why? People kept feeling the law coming on them because we're going to go back to seven years of law. So people started feeling that, so then grace had to be taught because people kept thinking they were under the law. They were trying to pull that seven-year period into right now. Just like people think right now, we're in the tribulation. Man, there's somebody, you should have seen when the coronavirus came out how many texts, how many phone calls I had. We're in the trib. No, we're not in the trib. The first seal that gets opened in the book of Revelation is the Antichrist. He can't be revealed until you depart. You can't have the Christ and the Antichrist here at the same time. The Bible calls you Christ. You're so powerful, He can't even be revealed until you leave. Wow. Come on, man. Amen. I mean, you talk about dominion. If we, if we have any idea of the dominion that we carry as a believer... Wow. The Bible says there in 2 Thessalonians that when Jesus comes back, He, he destroys him. This is what it says. He obliterates him with the brightness of His coming. The second coming. The devil's not going to get any more powerful than when he enters into a man and has a body to operate in and all Jesus has to do is show up. He's not just destroyed. He's obliterated is what it says. And you, you have this treasure in earthen vessels. Woo! Giddy up. Man, oh man. So, what a wonderful season that we're about to be caught up. Uh, you know, I, uh, let me give you a little... Um, it's 8 16. I'll give you a little bit of math and I'll shut up. This math will bless you. It'll help you a little bit. Okay? Because uh, everybody thought the Lord's coming back in 2000. The Lord's coming back in... I told the Lord 2017 was a wonderful year. You missed a great opportunity to come back. Because <laughs> there were some really interesting things happening in the heavens. You had, you had September 23rd. You had the the... Stuff happening that literally point to the, the kingdom. Pretty amazing. On the exact same days that 
it was documented that Israel can't police Jerusalem. So it's weird about that. But let me give you a little bit of math for a second. Okay, Jesus said if, you, if you're in the generation of Israel being made a nation and Jerusalem won back, you're that generation. So that's 1948 and 1967. Combine those two, kind of average them, you're about 1959 to 1960. Gabriel didn't count when Jesus was born. He counted when he rode into Jerusalem. That was 30 A.D. So a 2,000 year church age to 30 A.D. is 2030. Take away seven or eight years, you're at 2022, 2023. That's probably a great time for the rapture. But the rapture could be tomorrow. The Bible teaches it imminent so that you live holy. The Bible teaches it imminent so you live looking for Him. Even though He's on a clock. I heard people say, well, He can come out whenever He wants. Actually, they're called moads. They're called set times. I mean, they really are. I mean, I hate to get anybody mad, but... This is one of the things about the Bethlehem Star. Here's a little bit of homework and I'll shut up. Look up the Bethlehem Star tonight on YouTube. Look at the bonus feature. It's two minutes long. Bethlehem Star bonus feature. It's the coolest thing you're ever going to see. It shows the earth in an eclipse. And right when Jesus is on the cross, it shows the passion lamb, Aries. And the sun is where his heart is. And the heart of the lamb goes black at 3 p.m. on Friday on Passover shows you Jesus, the Lamb's heart, going black at 3 p.m. on Friday on Passover. So that's how flawless God is. It's just unbelievably flawless to where, look it up on YouTube, Bethlehem Star, bonus feature, two minutes long. It'll show you the Kepler's Laws of Planetary Motion. It'll show you what the heavens are doing. It shows you what the heavens are doing exactly at 3 p.m. on Friday of Passover. And it shows you what the constellation is doing. It's Aries, Passion Lamb. The heart of the Lamb goes black. There's an eclipse and it goes black at 3 p.m. when Jesus gave up the ghost. That's what I'm saying. It's not wishy-washy. When's this going to be? It's flawless. Amen. Amen. Let's thank Him for a second. Man, we're, we're about to be raptured. We don't have to jump up, but we could have some rapture practice. It'd be good. <laughs> Father, we, we thank You for Your kindness and Your goodness. We're amazed at Your mercy. Thank You for letting us be in the church age. My goodness, we're, we're so blessed that You died for us. So blessed that You gave Your life for us. We glorify You. We magnify You. We honor You. Thank You for blessing every person that came tonight, Lord. Thank You for their jobs represented. Thank You for, as we go into the remainder of this year, Lord, we thank You for a renewal of income, renewal of grace, and renewal of jobs. We thank You. Satan, You can't hinder our nation. You can't hinder the world. The Gospel is going to go out all the way until the coming of the Lord. So, Father, we thank You for helping us even in this season get the Gospel out. Thank You for that. We bless you, Lord. Bless you, bless you. Someone, you got trouble sleeping. You're you're gonna you're gonna sleep like a baby tonight. He gives his beloved sleep. Thank you for that, Father. Thank you for that. You know uh, the other one. Somebody's got you got some kind of damage in your blood. I don't know what it is. I I saw a word of knowledge on a paragraph. Now I could tell you thousands of stories about. I saw a woman get. Uh, uh, catch a hook in her eye while she's fly fishing in Birmingham. Saw a woman in Bartlesville get poked in the eye with a fork. I could tell you words of knowledge that would freak you out. I saw two women fist fighting in Montgomery, Alabama, 80 years old like this, just going like this. And I'm like, I'm sitting there preaching going, I'm watching two elderly women that want to kill each other. I called it out. I said, there's two elderly ladies here using a fist fight in the parking lot of this church. You need to go tell each other you're sorry. So I finished, you know, go back to the book table. These sweet elderly ladies come walking up to me. I'd seen them in the vision. They said, we're the ladies. We was fist fighting in the parking lot. I could tell you word of knowledge stories all night. You'd go, oh my God, that's crazy. I saw a, a scash on a tongue, called it out in Terre Haute. A little boy had been playing with a snapping turtle, stuck his tongue out, and the snapping turtle caught his tongue, cut a V right down the middle of his tongue. So I said, there's a little kid here with the muscles in your eyes are damaged. A little girl came down with Coke bottle glasses, got instantly healed, brought 28 people to the service that night. She'd, she'd been wearing Coke bottle glasses her entire life. She ended up going to Rainbow Bible Training Center. I saw her at Raymond. She came walking up to me. She goes, you don't know me, do you? I said, no. She goes, I had Coke bottle glasses. I said, no way. You're the girl from Terre Haute. That's four or five stories. I could tell you thousands. He's so merciful. So merciful. 
So merciful. I had one that you probably heard me talk about. I was in Corbin, Kentucky just a couple months ago. The pastor said when I was here last time, I had a word of knowledge about Bell's palsy. I said, somebody here has palsy. I've never had a word of knowledge for palsy. This, this lady was sitting here. She'd never been in church before. And uh, uh, this kind of church before. And the power of God came on her. And the lady sitting next to her, she goes, hey, what just came on you just came on me. And she got healed of Bell's palsy right there. And she went home and uh, she was so freaked out, called her Baptist pastor at 1230 at night. And she said, I know Jesus doesn't heal anymore, but I got healed of Bell's palsy tonight. And the Baptist pastor said, don't tell anybody, but I know that he still heals too. Come on. (laughs) So isn't that sweet of the Lord? She'd never even been around that gets healed of palsy. Let's thank him one more time. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your kindness, Lord. Thank you for healing that person's blood. Thank you for perfect sleep for that person. Perfect sleep. Perfect sleep for him, Lord. We give you glory. We give you honor and give you praise, Lord. Thank you for the excitement of knowing we're about to see you. The great joy and great hope, Lord. We magnify you. We'll get to be caught up and be with you forever. We will comfort one another. We'll exhort one another, Lord. We'll, we'll, we'll call us nearer to you, Lord. We'll be white, hot, fervent in spirit serving the Lord. We thank you for it. We give you glory and honor and praise. Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for taking the time to come on Saturday night. How cool is that? We'll come back tomorrow morning. We'll get into the seven sins of Sapphira. No, I'm just kidding. We won't do that. We'll we'll get into the millennial reign of Christ. Thank you, all you pastors, for coming and everyone that came. And we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great night's rest. Bless you.